Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And we are back. We're going to actually finish what we started two days ago <laughs> that uh, we got off on a tangent yesterday. Long-time listeners know that we, we get off on tangents a lot. So we're actually going to finish what we started the other day called Mindset Hacks of Rich People Know and You May Not. Um, you know, it's fun. Uh, it's kind of an interesting tie-in, Julie. You and I are working every morning. Julie gets up fairly early and uh, works on book content for the new book, her deadlines um, tomorrow. Right, tomorrow. Julie? Yep. <laughs> and she gave me this list of things that she wanted me to contribute, uh, you know, on the book, stuff I have to research and whatnot. And it's fascinating. The section that she's working on, and Julie, this really does tie in, and I promise I'm not going to get on a tangent. Okay. Um, it does tie into our topic. Oh, I won't. I won't. I'm disciplining myself today. You just watch. You'll be impressed. Good. So one, one of the things that she wants, I know, one of the reasons my office is not close to yours is because I don't, I don't want to get no. smacked in the back of the head. So um, one of the things we're working on is a section specifically, and Julie and I are having a lot of fun with this, on essentially how to dress, how to basically make yourself look like some somebody people would want to do business with. And it's one of those topics that is, it's kind of funny because it's wrought with peril. There's so many different ways that um, clothing and how you present yourself has become just some extension of some sort of like political correctness. And it's it's fascinating as Julie and I are discussing how a lot of people really take a lot of great, a great amount of pride in not looking successful. They almost have gone out. I remember after the last recession, there was almost like this homeless chic fashion trend that came out where everyone's clothes were ripped and like pre-stained and designers were making it look like you just got the clothes off a homeless guy. And that became the thing. And that was tied to essentially the, the economy and the mindset and people's not wanting to look flashy, but still wanting to look different. And it's kind of interesting how just, you know, again, working on this content for the sake, sake of helping you guys uh, become successful salespeople, it's fascinating how many people have, how many, have differing opinions and how you should look and what you should drive and all these other things. And so in our book, and I'm not going to tell you too much about it, we're going to kind of cut through all that big surprise. And we're going to give you the bottom line on how essentially men should look, how women should look, not on our opinions, based on facts on what successful people, uh, how they present themselves. And so I found this fun website, I'll share it with all of our listeners, Julie, called James Bond Lifestyle, because again, Julie gave me a list of one, two, three, four, five, six things to research. And one of them was, as she's putting a little section in there about literally how men should go about picking out properly fitting suits. And James Bond Lifestyle, if you guys are at all interested in this sort of weird niche, you should go and go to that website because it's so fascinating. These people are not even James Bond aficionados. They're James Bond fanatics. And they've gone back to the original James Bonds and literally scene by scene, we'll tell you what he wore, where he got it, what all the accessories were. It's kind of, it's obsessive to the the thousandth degree. But what's really fascinating is is that if you look at prevailing trends of people that are successful and what they wear, they all pretty much are copying that James Bond lifestyle ethos. 
And um, like, so, you know, the topic, the, the call today, obviously the show today is mindset hacks, rich people know, and you may not. And this is not one of Julie's points, but one of the greatest ways for you to be successful is look like you already are. I don't, I'm not a big fan. Julie and I are not a big fan of the fake it until you make it, but that is certainly part of it. Because if you look like somebody who's successful, you'll create that. When you walk into a situation where someone's trying to decide if they want to do business with you and you look like you're just marginal, you don't look like you're successful, you're going to create another subconscious objection in that prospective seller's mind as to whether or not they want to do business with you. You might not have the money to buy nice clothes. You might not have the money to actually appear like somebody who is successful, and they will just summarily rule you out. And here's the other interesting, interesting thing about how you look. How you look shows respect to the person that you want to do business with. That's really the bottom line. How you decide to show up to a seller's house or even a buyer appointment, how you look when you're out and about, you know, that really does show respect, not just to your profession and shows a pride in how you look, but it also shows respect to the person you hope to do business with. And so anyway, it's a fun little section in the book that's coming out uh, this time next year. And uh, I've, I've been enjoying researching. I spent a couple hours on it today. There's so many little nuanced approaches to this. And we're also doing it. Here's another thing Julie and I were talking about. Again, this, these are just little, I think, anecdotal sections to the book. It's not a, a real thrust of the book. It's just like additional content for those of you. It's under the section of um, Upgrade Everything. There's a new section in the book called Upgrade Everything, where we're going to go through basically how to take a, a systematic approach to upgrading literally every aspect of your life and just going through the upgrade cycle of your life oftentimes offers enough motivation because you're looking forward to the upgrade that'll get you to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. You know, we, you, we can talk about clothes, we can talk about cars, we can talk about houses, those are the obvious things. But there's also a lot of small things you can upgrade too. your education, your etiquette, your, uh, you know, your just little tiny things like that. So that's all coming in the book. As we promised, the new book is going to be an, an absolute drill down on all the essentially best practices of the most successful people in the world outside of real estate as well, because we're using uh, real life examples from other people from other industries that I think you guys will really relate to. Anyway, we're having a lot of fun with it. So mindset hacks, yeah. rich people know that you may not. Um, Julie, do you have somebody you would like to acknowledge or folks you'd like to acknowledge from Facebook or whatnot before um, we get back? To yeah, it's just a real quick one because I think this is really important. It comes up so many times in our premier coaching sessions that we do daily. Um, from our private Facebook page, Shauna Smallwood, and it's either Gauger or Gager, sorry if I screw your name up, um, who wrote a request, I'm seeking a prospecting letter to send out to a farm for listings as I have a client looking in a specific subdivision. Does anyone have one they would be interested in sharing? Well, Laura Barbara, another um, private, or, I'm sorry, premier coaching client, posted something that's very similar to our sample in the back of the Harris Rules book, the seller's wanted uh, flyer or letter, postcard, door hanger, however you want to do that, and this is using the Old West font, and she literally describes four different buyers and specific homes that they're looking for in specific areas and says, is your home a match? So this was well executed. It's a great-looking piece. And the, the reason that I bring this up, Tim, is because so many times agents think that, and we talk about this a lot, if they can't find it in the MLS, it must not exist. And I always reset their mindset. You know, if you were licensed yesterday – and instead of having your MLS-dependent brain installed, I was your broker and I said, there are about 16 different ways to find listings and the MLS is only one of them. Using a wanted 
piece to go out to a specific neighborhood for buyers that are that drilled down, that's just one of those things. Of course, expireds for sale by owners, new construction, the list goes on, and we've done podcasts about this. Well, if I said that to you that there's just MLS is one of 16 ways, use this as your checklist, well, that's just what you would do. You wouldn't question it. You wouldn't think it was extra work. You wouldn't think it was too hard. And I always contend with these agents that are so MLS dependent and think that there's nothing on the market that, you know what, if your buyers had that same checklist of how you could be looking for them every day and you, they knew you weren't, of course they'd fire you, which of course always leads to be a listing agent because listing agents always win. But meanwhile, while you're working with buyers, don't be lazy about it. If you're not going to do all those things, you need to refer those buyers off. I think it's malpractice. So anyway, for the agents who are doing a good job on this, nice job. Keep it going. And thanks for uh, putting up, posting your sample wanted ad. So back to you, Tim. No, so let's just get right back to the points, Julie, because we promised we'd get to finish the points. Let's finish the points. Finally, we will. Yes, indeed. I think we stopped at uh, number five. And let's see, this ties into our discussion about upgrading everything. Wealthy people are consciously seeking new and improved exposure to success. Like, for example, the James Bond website, how to dress, art auctions, museum events, charity functions. You know, think more like Napoleon Hill who studied success. Get out of your natural comfort zone. Preview homes that are two or three times your average sale price. Go to events that are outside your natural comfort zone. Dress a notch nicer than you naturally gravitate to. This is one of the things wealthy people do out of habit. It's, you know, they don't even think about it. It's part of what makes them tick. So adopt that and adapt it for you. Point number six, they don't give up. They do not give in easily. They don't stop at the first no. I think we talked about this actually. They, the close of a sales transaction happens after five to eight times. How fast do you give up? Point number seven, they don't measure their success by others. Instead, they measure it based on their own individual yardstick. They're meeting or exceeding their goals. They're not in the ego hamster wheel of always having to best their competition. Refer to your real estate treasure map. You have your own magic number of how many listings it takes to meet or exceed your goals. You have your own unit number. You have your own average sale price. Don't make it about everyone else and all of the awards and plaques for showing up and all that kind of stuff. Use your own individual yardstick. That's what wealthy people do. Point number eight is the big point. Julie. They concentrate. Julie. Yes. Julie. Why are you going so fast? Hover. Because we have what? to present four more points. Okay, okay, yeah, but you I, the, the point we can have but the point you the the point you went you, you mentioned the two points ago about not stopping at the first no. That's yeah. not something that we could just say and just not drill down on, right? I mean, they don't know how to do it most of them. They don't know what that means. They don't know what to do in situations where they hear a no, and most times when anyone hears a no, the first reaction is to basically flee to safety. Your fight or flight keeps it, it kicks in, right? Even experienced agents make that mistake. So guys, one of the ways that we teach you in Premier Coaching to overcome that first no is to make it so that you have follow-up questions that are designed uh, in the anticipation that they're going to say no to you initially. So for example, when you're trying to pre-qualify a seller to find out what they think the house is worth, you know, this is just a loose example, but you guys will get the point. You need to know one of the rules that we want you to have is prior to going on listing appointments, we want you to know what you think or what the seller thinks the house is worth. And when you know what the seller thinks the house is worth, you do have an advantage in that appointment, don't you? Obviously, you also want to know the seller's motivation. So oftentimes, a cagey seller, a seller that's sold multiple times, an upper end seller is not going to want you to know either the, the answers to either one of those questions. 
And so you might just, you, if you ask the question head on, they're not going to answer you. You'll say, for example, Mr. Seller, do you have an opinion of what the property is worth? That's why I'm calling you out. How many of you heard that before? So here's the way you can ask the question that's going to be a little bit more cagey, a little bit more crafted. Mr. Seller, so I'm going to be spending four or five hours on your CMA. It's basically a realtor's version of an appraiser, appraisal. And so um, when doing so, I'm going to be choosing comps that were similar to your house. What properties have you seen sell in your area that you thought were closest to your house that you may have seen at holiday parties, may have seen at you know, garage sales or whatever? What properties have you seen that you thought were very similar? Maybe you saw them online when they went for sale. You looked at the pictures. Any ones in particular you think I should be using as comps? And then they're going to say, yes, one, two, three Elm Street. Oh, and then you're going to you know, reinforce what they said. Oh, yeah, that was a house down the way, similar you know, lot, same side of the street, the whole thing. And are there any others? Where, or you could say even, this is even better, you could say, what two or three others were you thinking about? They won't necessarily give you two or three, but they're going to tell you at least one more. Well, there's the one that sold up street, up the street, four, four five, six, you know, Elmwood. Oh, that's a great house too. Same side of the street, built by the same builder. Gotcha. All right. Now, here's what they did. They told you what they thought their house was worth, didn't they? <laughs> they just did. They didn't know they did, so but well. they did. They just told you what they thought the house was worth by telling you what they thought the comps were. Now. I promise you guys in the day of essentially make me moves and what's my house worth and all these other things, there is not a single seller out there that does not think they know what their house is worth. And here's a little insider information. If they're cagey about telling you what they think the house is worth, chances are it's because they think it's worth more than uh, what the market thinks it's worth. In other words, they have an inflated value of their home. So if you ask the question, just like I just gave it to you to ask, and they don't give you an answer, or if they're cagey about it, oh, I haven't seen any houses for sale. Oh, I don't look online for houses for sale. Your mental red flag needs to go up and you need to be thinking to yourself, uh-huh, sure you don't, Mr. Seller. And that is a warning sign that that seller knows or thinks that their house is worth more than what the comps were, more than the ones they saw sell recently. Okay, so there's a little advanced coaching for you. Now, I'm going to give you guys another, remember I said the other thing you always want to know is the seller's motivation. And as you go up market, and this is not just true with up market, it's true with most sellers, but up market especially, they will not want you to know their motivation. And some of you make the mistake of going on appointments without knowing the seller's motivation. So the way to work around that is ask it in a very polite and friendly way. You know, you it, again, lower end sellers, first time sellers, you can just simply ask them, Mr. Seller, you know, do you, here's three questions for you guys, write these down. Mr. Seller, do you have to sell this house or do you want to sell this house? A have to sell seller is somebody who has to sell the house in a lower end, first time or even move up seller. They're going to be in have to sell situations if they want to move up. They cannot afford to own two homes. They can't qualify for two mortgages. The they owe too much and they can't cover the mortgage payment with rent. You guys get the point? So you're going to be running into situations on the normal meat and potatoes type transactions the sellers have to sell. But I want you to ask them, do you have to sell this house or do you want to sell this house? And they'll tell you. And you know how they'll tell you? Or, or you could say, they'll say, I, I don't have to or I have to sell this house because I'm getting transferred. And the other thing is you could ask is, Mr. Seller, um, uh, as far as this property goes, uh, where are you guys going next after this property um, move, uh, after this property sells? Or here's a better way of asking it. Sorry, I got caught on my own thoughts there. Mr. Seller, if I were to pop by with a buyer that wanted to close in the next 30 to 60 days, you know, and all the numbers made sense, um, and they wanted to close, in other words, they wanted possession of the house in the next 30 to 60 days, would that create a problem for you? And what you're going to find is they're going to say yes, no, maybe so. 
If they're cagey about the answer, again, be mindful of how they respond or how they try to avoid responding. Lack of response is a response. There's sometimes more information in a lack of response than there is a response. They might not want you to know they're going through a financial problem. They might not want you to go know they're going through a personal problem. They're trying to play their cards close to their chest for no particular reason. I mean, there's not any good reason for them not to share that information with you. They just don't trust you yet, okay? So then you can throw out this, listen, Mr. Seller, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make you homeless. You know, if I, if I bring, you know, throwing a little laugh there, right? If I pop by with a buyer that wants to close in the next 60 days and take possession of the house, I mean, listen, I've got a spare bedroom in my house that you and your wife and your 14 kids could live in, but I'm not telling you, I'm not saying it would be a good, comfortable space for you guys to live. So what's your plan B after this property sells? And then find out and listen. And remember, listen to what they say and listen to what they don't say. You need to find out what is going on with their next move. Why? Because there's a huge difference in how a motivated seller, a have to versus a want to, will act. A want to, someone who, if I get my price, if pigs fly, if all the stars align, is probably not going to listen to you on suggestions on how to prepare the house, listen to you on how to price the house, listen to you on uh, basically allow showings. They're going to be, now look, you can list a want to, but I'm just telling you the probability of a want to actually closing is very low. So you want to look for a have to. And the have to's are all the obvious things that you guys already know. What's a have to sell seller? Those of you who are listing agents, look at all the closings you've had so far this year on the listing side and, and or even on the buyer side, if you know what the co-ops, you know, the listing agents uh, seller's motivation was. And then look to see why they sold. You will find in almost every example that that seller sold because they had to. Financial problem, personal problem. Uh, you know, transfer, didn't want to own two homes at once, inherited the property, things like that. You'll find that the ones that when pigs fly pricing, very rarely sell. So learn from all this, guys. This is what it goes. This goes back to learning how to ask questions and cater your uh, additional questions based on their initial response. But if you back off after the first question, you're never going to get the ammunition you need prior to going uh, into battle, okay, the listing appointment. So the mi the mindset is, is you always have to know what the seller's motivation is and what the seller's opinion of price is. And there's other things too that we teach you in Premier Coaching, um, but those are the key things. And once you have those things, it's your game to lose at that point. Does that make sense, Julie? Yeah, it does. And I wanted to remind them we did a dedicated podcast to a, a fair amount of what you just covered, but not, you know, this was just on this topic. It was called don't go if you don't know. Things like time frame, motivation, you know, is keeping the house an option, all the things that you just drill down on and a bunch of other things. So don't go if you don't know. It's all about pre-qualifying and drilling down on those questions. We did another podcast that was uh, called So You Didn't Get the Listing, Why Not? Which of course is closely tied to the other one, don't go if you don't know. So there's a lot of extensive things on this and of course all of that's uh, included in Premier Coaching and we talk about that. Uh, things of that nature on virtually every live coaching call we do every day for that class and for that contingency. So uh, let's see, we wanted to do point number eight. They concentrate more on their own news, wealthy people do. They concentrate more on their own news than what's on the news. They are media free, at least for the most part. Obviously, if something's happening in the news, you're going to hear about it at Starbucks or someplace else in your travels, but they are not mainlining CNN or Fox News all day long every day, <laughs> okay? They make their own news. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? I think we've done no. podcasts on no. media-free mornings too.
sell. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean that, but but that's the thing though. They don't they don't let anything. If you guys expand on the media free thing, that's so profound because it, we always say media free mornings because it rhymes, you know, and because everyone can do it. It's something everyone can start with when you're trying to you know purge yourself of outside influences. But that's really what we're talking about. There really is no safe place to go for quote unquote news anymore where you're not being manipulated. And the problem is, unless you're being vigilant as you're consuming that information, they're going to slip something by you. Even the person with the best mindset and the most, you know, attentiveness to what's being said, they're going to be manipulated. And you know how you don't know it because they know how to use words and phrases and tonality to get you, get your adrenaline going, you know, get your uh, vitriol going, make it so that you're feeling aggressive, make it so you're feeling sad, make it so you're seeing what's happening is they've manipulated you. And now the media or the crap that they're, you know, they call the media, the news, which isn't even news anymore. They now have basically influenced the impact that you're going to have on your own life. And those are the ones you love throughout the day because they've affected your mindset. Screwed up, isn't it? So the only way to do it is just trust none of them, frankly, and basically stop consuming any of it. Literally go media free. I promise you guys, if there's something important that happens in the news that you need to know about, you're going to hear about it, right? I mean, but other than that, completely media free. This podcast, I think most of you guys will agree is safe. Maybe some other podcasts too. But I, I look, leave all the cable news channels off. What a bunch of bullshit those channels are. Don't read any of the newspapers. I, I wish there were newspapers anymore that weren't partisan, that weren't you know this leaning or that leaning or had this agenda or that agenda, but they all do. So just throw them all in the trash heap, seriously. I mean, all of them are just trying to manipulate you at this point. They're just propaganda. So protect your mindset. You choose. You be incredibly selective on what and who and how you allow yourself to be influenced. So yeah, start with a media-free morning and make it a media-free day. When you're in the car, listen to books. At night, don't watch the news for God's sake. Don't even watch this. So here's the other thing. Look at all these comedy shows and these late night yahoos that are on. That's all political partisan crap too. How does that make you feel? It makes you feel like you're essentially separate. When you watch that stuff, the, all, what's actually happening is you're actually feeling like you're part of some tribe. You're part of some anti-Trump tribe or you're part of some you know, pro-Trump tribe or you're part of some other like, you know, little sectioned off group of you know, social misfits. Why is it that people are so attracted to not wanting to wanting to be part of these little tribes. And when you allow yourself to be seduced by that, if you are all of a sudden not going to be as effective as you could have otherwise been, because you now are having to carry the flag for whatever that particular cause or sets of beliefs were. Do you really want that? Do you really want to be manipulated that way? You don't, do you? How can you have clear thoughts and be of service to other people if you're always having all these competing thoughts about who you're supposed to like and not like? What, you know, safe language. I mean, it's, it's insane. It really is insane. It's literally insane. What's going on in our country right now is has to be a form of insanity that historians 100 years from now will look back upon with disbelief. Has to be the case. What are they Julie? Thinking? Yes. Well, okay. reporting became entertainment. The news when, you, you know, we were watching Walter Cronkite when we were kids, they were reporting. Now everybody's trying to entertain and sway. So I think you're right. Just opt out. Just say no. So point number nine the wealthy are not dependent on market conditions, someone or something else determining their trajectory. They use the saying, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Absolutely zero tolerance for the victim mentality. We see this come out when you guys blame your brokers for your lead generation and things like that. Don't be, de you know, wealthy are not dependent on anything except themselves. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. Point number 10, 
They show their intentions through actions more than through words and wishes. Suck it up, buttercup. Or as Colin Powell said, quote, there are no secrets to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. They simply do the work. You can use the saying proper previous planning prevents pitifully poor performance. Think about no before you go. Use your pre-qualification and your drill down. Don't give up after the first no. It just means not yet because you haven't dug deep enough yet. So again, the wealthy show their intentions through actions more than through words and wishes. And we'll round out the last point before I have to get to Premier. Point number 11, they are not screwed up about who they are or what they stand for. The foundation for a balanced success is honesty, character, integrity, faith, love, and loyalty. They know that doing what's right for their client will always be the right thing and that their income is the result of that hard work. As you often are quoted as saying, Tim, if you don't yet have the wealth that you deserve for your family and you haven't met or exceeded your goals, you just haven't found enough people to help at a high enough level yet. It's that simple. So that's my parting thought as I go off to help our premier contingency. Back to you. And Julie, you got you got through all your points. You guys could tell Julie was experiencing some serious anxiety getting through the points. <laughs> yes. Well, it's you, my own you accountability point, you had, to have to get over here. I know. <laughs> you had point anxiety. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, we those it. of you who are those we did it, yay! <laughs> exactly. Those of you who are on uh, Premiere, you better get ready. Julie's kind of charged up today in case you were right. listening. <laughs> Later, alligators. All right, guys. Soon. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, listen, guys. If you need a free coaching call, to go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com, and request a free coaching call. Listen, guys, we're here for you anytime you need us. Freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Remember, when you request a, a free coaching call, just by requesting a free coaching call. You are entitled to six free books, one of which, well, two of which are our favorites, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, and of course, the Real Estate Treasure Map. Real Estate Treasure Map essentially is your fill-in-the-blank business plan. It's already halfway through the year. Chances are you've already got your business plan done, but I know for a fact that most of you do not. So I would strongly suggest you go forth and conquer and get that uh, book for free. Just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. If you guys need me for anything or Julie for anything, you can always email us directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.